Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3. And 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111337-706-0111. Look, we talked about how this was going to be a hammock season, and it is a hammock season, and it's a good day. It's a it's just like the best day so far. Like we're over two months into the season now. Because we started in late March, and we're now in the second week of June. And we really haven't had any non-hammock days. But today, look, baseball, I preach it to myself and to y'all. It's 162 games. Very little, especially in a hammock season, very little gets me upset. The one thing that, the one thing that really gets under my skin, though, is when you don't play baseball when it's time to play baseball. Look, I'm fine. I've adjusted. Those of you who have been listening to me for a while, you know, in football I was a meat eater. When when, uh, Casper came in and started all this salad-eating stuff, I, I adjusted. Um, you know, I was a bunt or lose guy, and I still think that we don't bunt enough, but baseball changed the way that it kind of approached the game and chicks dig the long ball and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, the, the, the balls got hotter and the, um, the bat, you know, the, you know, home run became more of a thing and it's all about OP and I adjusted, but there comes a time where you got to play baseball. And when it's three to two in the ninth inning, look, I, I understand why everyone loves Jose Altuve and I certainly appreciate everything he has meant to the Astro organization. But I also get why my daughter hates him. Well, she hates him for more reasons than this. But the thing, Jose Altuve is infuriating sometimes. Like, what he is, he seems like he's the little little leaguer the kid on the Little League team that's just bouncing around having fun because he's he just loves being out there. And part of that is very endearing. You know, this is a um you know, a major leaguer who's been in the major leagues. What is this? Is like his twelfth, eleventh, or twelfth year, something like that. And he still seems to be like a little leaguer just enjoying playing a game. And so there's something about that that's cool, but there's also something about that. 
that it's infuriating because he's just like on another planet. Like he's playing his own little thing, deal. And when you when it's the ninth inning and you don't have hardly any hits for two games, forget about being a little leaguer. Like it's time to focus, cat. You get a leadoff double. You're down three to two. The Piper's got his hands around your neck for two games. You, you, you're struggling to get any hits. You get a leadoff double, and this cat gets a 1-0 pitch, a looping kind of breaking pitch inside, and he hits a ground ball to third. A ground ball to third. Can't do that. And it's like he's on another world. Like, did, like I would just love to know, like, did, did does he even know there was a runner on second and no outs down by a run in the night? Did he even know that? He swings at a 1-0 looping breaking pitch inside, hits a ground ball to third. Oh. <clears throat> Look, it's easier for me to watch Jose Abreu struggle than to watch that. That is the stuff that drives me bonkers, even in a hammock season. Come on, Cat, understand the situation. But again, a whole, uh, Altuve is just, he's just, he's like that little leaguer who's just playing his, his, his little, he's, he's in his own little world. He just drives me bonkers sometimes. Like, what are you doing? Cat, it's not time to swing. That is awful. You feel awful. better? <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. I really awful. I consider a lot of the different scenarios sometimes when you come in of how the show's going to start. I didn't think it was going there. That, I thought look, no, and I'm fine with it. it. It's I I mostly agree with you when guys green lights in sports are a funny thing in, in sports and baseball and softball are a funny thing for me. Like I think. I think guys should take pitches way more often than they do a lot of times. Um, so I'm not disagreeing necessarily, but. Now, look, I'm not saying he had to take right there, but you you can't swing at that. How are you going to hit that pitch to the right side? It's a looping breaking ball coming in towards you. Like, that, what are you swinging at that for? He, I don't even think it was ever in his mind that I need to hit the ball up the middle or to the right side right here. And if I get a base hit, great. Of course, his stupid Kiermaier wasn't the best defensive center fielder in football. They might have got an RBI out of um, at Perro in the next bat at bat. Watching the best, def- watching great defensive outfields, like it's time to. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that the Indians, the, what well, the Indians, the the Guardians. That's who they play next. The Guardians. I don't think they have like an elite defensive outfield, but between Texas and Kiermaier. I'm a little tired of watching that. Yeah, yeah. They might find one, though. They could find one. Look, it's just, I don't ask a lot. Just when it's time to play baseball, you got to play baseball. You can't be playing your own little game. I'm telling you, right now, if he wants to get a little illness for another two or three weeks, I'm fine with it. I'd rather watch Dubon play anyway. (laughs) I mean, come on, Cat. Focus. That guy drives me bonkers sometimes. 
I mean, it's you can't. Again, you don't have to play baseball all the time, but when you're down by a run in the ninth inning, it's time to play baseball. Not not all this up. What I mean again? It's not time to pick flowers and right field. Unbelievable. What was he even thinking? Like, at that moment, like, they've been around him enough. Like, someone should call a timeout and say, Cat, it ain't time to pick flowers in right field. Like, this ain't Little League, you know, I'm just glad to be here time. It's time to focus and hit the ball up the middle or to the right side. That's what it's time for. Oh, look, I've been really good this hammock season, but that's the that's the only thing that look, I can take my pitchers getting lit. I can take uh that's all that's all part of the whole deal. But nothing says that you have to pick flowers in right field when it's when you're down by a run in the ninth inning. That's that should not be part of it. You gotta focus. That cat I'm glad that he loves the game. I'm glad. But there comes a time where you're not just up there swinging at anything you want to swing at. Unbelievable. Three to two, you get a leadoff double, and this cat swings at a 1-0 pitch, a a, a breaking ball 1-0 pitch, and hits a ground ball to third base. And then he walks off like, what? What? Oh. Awful. Awful. El Perro tried to bail him out, but stupid Kiermaier. I mean, how is Kiermaier playing that far in? This cat hits the ball to the moon half the time. How is he playing that far in in center field? Seriously. Like he hits a, he hits, it wasn't a broken bat, but it was like he didn't really hit it that hard. And Kiermaier's there. That cat wasn't worried about a double. Look, I've been good for over two and a half months. That's the only thing. Like I said, I can take pitchers getting lit, I can take guys striking out. None of that. You know, I don't like it. I want him to do well every – but I can handle – I just can't take – you get a leadoff double in the ninth inning down by a run and you're not going to play and you hit a ground ball to third. That's inexcusable to me. Inexcusable. Hey, Foot, remember this is a hammock season. It is, but – and seriously, when was the last time you played that? It's been a while. It has been uh, several weeks. Yes. It's, it's, it's been a perfect hammock season. Everything's going well, but you can't do that. Sometimes you got to just say hammock or not. Cat, it's time to stop picking flowers in right field. It's time to focus. This ain't about Little League Baseball and doing your own little thing. Let's focus. Unbelievable. And again, I would have rather... That he just, I would have rather him sit there and take strike three than hit a ground ball to third on that. How can you swing at that pitch when you have to know your job is to get the man to third base with the best RBI bat in a hall of baseball on deck? And this cat's hitting a ground ball to third base. Unreal.
fortunately, the Piper finally got to the Rangers and they didn't score last night. But but the Piper should have been back on the Astros side yesterday. So no. what was up with that? It happened, what was it, two weeks ago, we scored all these runs against the Twins and we couldn't do anything. Like Blanco we gotta look st- good. We got look, I don't want to score double figure runs on a Monday for the rest of the season. I'm done with that. No more Monday home run shows. The fireworks shows was to be on Friday night and home games. We don't need fireworks on Monday. Let's just score five runs on Monday. Like this business of scoring 11 and 12 runs on Monday, and then we got to struggle for the next two days. That needs to go. That needs to stop. You know, I will just say. Just hit Altuve nine times on Monday from now on, and we won't score very many runs. <laughs> this cat. Awful. Blanca looked good, though. He did, he did fine. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, uh, I mean. Again, I'm fine with all of that stuff. I can handle all. Just when it's time to play baseball, it ain't time to pick flowers in right field. Like, what is focus? All right. We'll take a timeout. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. After Jose Altuve shenanigans, I did get to watch a lot of the game three of the NBA Finals. And... Obviously, it was a historic performance in a lot of ways. Um, man, Murray is just impressive to me. He just he hit he he hit a couple really tough shots, and 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 they do a lot of. It was a strange game, in a lot of ways. Like the Heat had four turnovers. In the game, four. That's pretty good. Pretty good playing an NBA game, and you get four turnovers in the whole game. The Nuggets had 14 turnovers and won by 15. And, you know, the Nuggets made 27% of their threes. That's not that great. The, um, the Heat made 31%. Not that great. Neither one, you know, I think the Nuggets had like seven more free throws, but they didn't really win it at the free throw line either. They had seven more, but it wasn't like they scored like 20 more points for the free throw line. So neither team shot the three all that well. The Heat protected the ball very well. And 
yet they lost by 15. And the reason why they lost by 15 is they got out-rebounded 58-33, to and points in the paint was 60-34. to Now, look, I understand certain th- – one of the things that I kind of struggled a little bit with at times is I don't know that there is the direct correlation – between a team shooting percentage and the defense that was played by the opponent like coaches like to portray. Like, if you shoot, if 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 a team makes, uh, misses a bunch of shots, you the, the automatic assumption is that you play great defense. And I think a lot of the times that probably is the case. But like last night, and I'm not saying the Nuggets played bad defense, I'm not saying they didn't play better defense than they did in game two. But, I mean, Adebayo had had wide open 10 to 12 footers the whole game. He just missed them. It wasn't like he missed tough shots. I mean, an NBA player shooting a wide open 10 to 12 footer in the lane should not be a tough shot. But doesn't mean you're going to make it. I mean, he just didn't make a lot of them. And it wasn't just him. They just missed. I'm not saying they didn't. Have, they didn't. The Nuggets didn't play any defense, but sometimes the other team just misses a bunch of shots, and you talk. We talk about how great a defense. I, I think sometimes that that's a little overblown. But they just didn't make enough shots, and they didn't get any rebounds. Now they got a few. They had a couple possessions where they got some offensive rebounds, um, you know, and, and, and took three. Or, but man, they just didn't get many defensive ones. And uh, that was just, I mean, just getting dominated on the boards and in the paint. This this cat that looks 12 years old that plays for the Nuggets, why is his name not Braun? They, they, they taught, it, it, am I mishearing it? They're saying his name is Christian Brown, but his name is spelled Christian Braun. Yeah, I confirmed that this morning. It is pronounced Brown, even though it's spelled Braun. Why is that, I wonder? Uh, I couldn't tell you. It's a little confusing for yeah. a fat guy like me. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. If, if they keep that's saying why Christian Brown, and I'm looking at his name. I said, that's not the cat's name. Why are they calling him <laughs> that? Well, yeah, no, and when I saw the – I was looking at the box score, too, and, and looking in, and, I mean, I, I had heard – when they said the rookie from Kansas, I knew Braun. Like, I remember seeing him play at Kansas, and then – they kept saying Brown. Yeah, I was confused too. But I confirmed that it's pronounced Brown. Anyway, he's impressive. Like the way he plays is impressive. I mean, he looks like literally. He looks like he don't even look like a senior on a high school team. He looks like an underclassman on a high school team. But um, he just seems to – his temperament is impressive. The way he plays, I don't know. He, 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 he's impressive to watch. You know, Jokic, I understand why some people don't particularly ooh and ah about him because he's not impressive to watch unless you like all the little things that makes a player great. Like, they got guys all over the country that can outjump the greatest player in the NBA in the world right now, the greatest basketball player in the world right now, and, you know, probably three – 
There are four people in this little area right here, and I'm sure three of us, not me, but three of us can outjump the greatest basketball player in the world. And I think that's why some people just struggle to give him as much credit sometimes as probably he deserves. But but it just shows that it's not all about athletic ability. It's a it's about skill. I mean, he's just supremely skilled. Uh, but no, Murray just impresses me. I, I I just don't know that Miami's got enough firepower to do it. But again, even they they, they missed. It wasn't like a lot of the three pointers they missed. They were open. They just didn't make them. They got the. It wasn't like getting the ball inside was that difficult for them. They got a lot of shots in the paint. They just missed them. That happens. Missing a shot, an open ten footer in the lane is not swinging at a one zero pitch and ground it out to third. That's swinging at a pitch you're supposed to and flying out to the warning track. It happens. That's just part of sports. You don't make it all the time. But not getting back on defense when you're supposed to or not or you know not passing it up for an easy lay passing the ball for an easy layup and instead taking a shot where someone's double teaming you, that swing it out a one oh pitch and ground into third base. Oh man. That was bad. Bad, bad, bad. But no, I, you know, it's back and forth. We'll see what happens in game four. If I still don't think Miami's got enough firepower offensively, but if they win game four, then you can't say the series is over. It'll be tied. Uh, obviously, I, I just don't think they can come down. I think Nuggets have too much firepower. To, to blow a 3-1 lead against a team that just doesn't score as easily um, as the uh, as the Heat do. But if they can win game four, we'll see. And, and But to do that, they're obviously going to have to do a little better job of rebounding. But again, they only turned it over four times. That's, I mean, if you told me going in that they were going to turn it over four times, and they were going to shoot a better three-point percentage, I'd have given them a fighting chance. Of course, I would have thought they if you know that they would have shot a little higher than 31 from three, 31% from three, but still they shot a better three-point percentage, and they only had four turnovers, and they had 10 fewer turnovers than the Nuggets had. And they got blown out, essentially, because they got dominated on the boards and missed a bunch of little shots. We'll see what happens. But, no, it was... Um, Again, I, I don't know that if the Nuggets go on and win in the court of public opinion, I don't know that it's going to move the needle. I think some people who haven't watched, I mean, look, let's face it, and I'm in that number. I hadn't watched the, the, the Nuggets play other than highlights. Pretty much not until the playoffs. I mean, I think there are people all over the country that haven't watched the Nuggets play before the playoffs other than highlights. Um, and so a lot of people are very educated, on, a lot more educated on them. And, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of credit. I, Murray just impresses me. I just, I don't know, I just like the way he plays. I like the way certain guys, you know, two guys can make 
Can he shoot a jump shot? And they can both make it. But s- some guys, I just like the way the ball goes through the net better than than the way the ball goes through the net. And the way Murray shoots, I just like the way the ball goes through the net with him. He is. He is impressive to me. So we'll see. Uh, Adebayo's had been impressing me, but he missed so many easy shots last night. He was um, 7 for 21 from the field. Now, if you're a hitter, 7 for 21 is pretty good. If you're shooting basketball in the paint, that's not good. Got to do better than 7 for 21. I wonder how many times Jose Altuve is going to swing at 1-0 pitches with a runner on second. and get, He'd probably get the runner to third 7 out of 21 times. Maybe. Maybe. When it, of course, you got to first. You got to know the guys on second base, and you're down by one run in the in the in the ninth inning. They need to win today. Framber needs to come through. Framber's come through a lot for the Astros a lot over the last few years. See the whole. I hate four game series. They sh- they shouldn't be four game series. I don't like them because the whole just don't get swept. It kind of gets. Messed up a little bit because they didn't get swept if it was a three-game series because they had a fireworks show on Monday like they seem to like to do. Score, hit a bunch of home runs, score a bunch of runs, and then stink for the next two days. But so I, I but if you lose three in a, if, you, if they lose again today, then they didn't get swept, but they kind of did. I, I don't know. I don't like four-game series. I like three-game series. Like, think about it. You never have an eight-game series or a six-game series in the postseason because you got to have an odd number. Should always be an odd number. They should play nothing but three-game series. I don't like four-game series. Well, you know, in in double-A. Can we fix this? They used to, and I think they still do. Like, in double-A, sometimes they play five-game series just because travel and stuff. That's a travel issue, yeah, yeah, I would think. And, I mean, I get it. You're going to have four-game series sometime, but it just messes with my whole approach of you don't want to get swept because if you lose three in a row, even though you technically didn't get swept, kind of feels that way. (sighs) Framber's pitching, though. So that uh, you got a decent shot, and you're due to, like, get a base hit. Hopefully. We'll take a timeout and be back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. So we talked about the Astros in the NBA Finals. I did not see any of the softball game last night. I watched the Astros or followed the Astros a little bit and then watched the NBA Finals. So uh, what, 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 what? Essentially, yeah. what was your takeaway? Um, I had a couple, and I talked about it in the first show. I've never in my entire life, I've watched a lot of sports, as you guys may guess. Uh, I've never seen a team so fired up and focused about every single play that they're involved in as the Oklahoma Sooners softball team is. 
And for a team that's won 52 games in a row and has won two straight titles, you know, you always think like, oh, well, what's the motivation factor to be here? It's got to be similar to Kirby Smart with Georgia that they've brainwashed them into thinking they haven't accomplished anything because they play like every single play is their last play. Every single, every double, everything they do, they are as excited to do it as any team I've ever seen, and they were just dominant. And, I mean, it, it actually... I think their intensity level, because Florida State kind of kicked it around a couple of times. It wasn't necessarily that, like, changed the game. It was all, like, relays back into the infield and stuff like that. I think Oklahoma's intensity level created mistakes, too, for Florida State. Like, it's it was overwhelming how dominant they can be. And, you know, the final score was 5 nothing. Florida State actually pitched pretty decent. Kaylee Mudge made one of the best catches I've ever seen in left field to rob a home run that would have ended the game on the mercy rule. Um, so Force did a couple of things well, but like, and and also in the circle, I mean, they had no shot. She was so dominant. Um, Jordy Ball for for Oklahoma, like, you know, they'll play again tonight, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be much difference. Now, some people made something of Sandercock not starting. That's something they do often. She has 23 relief appearances, 24 starts. They like her to close. So they started Mac Leonard, and it actually, you know, worked well at the beginning of the game. Leonard only gave up a run in three three plus innings, but um, they'll start Sandercock tonight, and they're going to need something legendary because Oklahoma is as advertised for sure. Yeah, again, I have no reason to to root against them other than it gets old seeing the same team every time. If it's not your team, like if it's your team, it doesn't get old. Doesn't ever get old if it's your team. But if it's not your team then you kind of get a little tired of it. So uh, I just kind of root against them. And plus when, you know, the one time that I went there to cover the Cajuns in a super regional, I was outside with a computer and getting rained on. So I didn't really like that very much either. With all the money they have, it seemed like they could at least put a tarp over where you don't, you know, you could not get rained on when you're typing on a computer, but um, at the big, bad big 12 facility. But anyway, uh, that's just me, my own personal deal. But um, no, I, I don't, I, I kind of thought, you know, and it's not like they blown every team out. I mean, Stunford played with them a few times. I mean, it's not impossible, but obviously you got to play really well to, to, to have a chance to beat them. Yeah. And I, I actually talked about that as well. I think it's funny when they lost to Baylor, which was pretty early on in the season, they lost five, four. It's their only loss of the year. They're now 60 and one, but they won, I think, like 14 consecutive games by five or more runs after that, including beat, beating UCLA 14 to nothing. So it's like they got angry about their loss and just started dominating. And I wonder if, you know, playing a couple of close games in the postseason has been their kind of – I mean, again, you should be ready in a championship series. There's no reason not to be ready and motivated. So I think we kind of get lost. But, like, I really mean it. The amount of intensity – I don't think I've ever seen that before. Even in a major league post, like most teams, you can't do that for nine no, innings. No, you right? don't even try. You don't yeah. want to do it. And so, like, that's for them to do it every single pitch, every single inning. I mean, every single they hit. And it's not like the silly celebrations that you see some teams, baseball and softball, do. About No, this is like, I am so focused and excited that I got a hit and did my job. And now it's your turn to do your job. And if you don't, like, this might be our last game ever. Like, it's. It's impressive, like what they've done as a program, and um, I am hopeful that Florida State can do something tonight, but I'm not expecting it. All right, so wanted to get that. Obviously, we're going to talk a little more uh, tomorrow, and we talked quite a bit yesterday about the Super Regionals, especially LSU's uh, matchup with Kentucky when we when we spoke to um, Koki. So have you made all your predictions? 
We're, we've been we've been going for the supers. You mean? Yeah. We've been going one by one. We've done five of the eight to this point. I mean, the only one that I really again doesn't mean I'm going to get them right, but the only prediction that I really got to think about it really hard is Texas and Stunford. Like so, I I did I did take Texas. Um, that was one that we picked this morning, and you know my my essential tiebreaker. Both teams are really good offensively. Stanford's probably a little better, but Texas has one and two, and Stanford has decent starting options, but nobody elite. And neither team has a great shutdown bullpen or even like one elite closer. So I took my tiebreaker was the two starters. I did take Oral Roberts over Oregon. Um, I think they're a little bit more of a complete team at this point as well. What about the whole playing in Miami and then actually going three time zones away? Yeah, I get that, and maybe that plays a role. Um, but it didn't seem to bother them in Miami at all. Like, not only did they win that regional, they didn't ever really seem in doubt, right? Like, you know, the Cajuns probably played them closer than Miami did in either game as far as when you look at the – inside of the numbers, right, with the right. John Taylor three-run homer that gets robbed and things Again, like that. Again, I still don't know how good their bullpen is, and it, it never really came into play. In yeah, I don't regional. either. I don't either. Um, but it and they could are come into guys. play in a best of three. It probably should come into play at some point, right? But my thing is that, again, Stanford doesn't really have elite pitching either. Um, it's not a – and I, I said my first thought when I think of Stanford baseball is pitching usually, just and maybe that's just kind of – not being locked into them every year in, year out, but they are by far an offensive team this year. They just don't have – they've got one guy with a 3-6-4 who's their ace starter. They don't have another guy on in, on the team with an ERA under four. So they don't have elite pitching either. But, again, that doesn't mean you can't pitch great. Cer- certainly. Yeah. And, and we talked about a lot of teams don't. But Texas, that's why I'm using that as a tiebreaker. They do have two guys who are in the twos in ERA and, and, and looked like guys with two ERAs. No, I, absolutely. They, 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 they certainly looked the part. Although, again, without great defense, the Cajuns could have been up five or six to nothing against Lucas Gordon easily. Uh, but it is what it is. All right. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, and I don't, um, and I don't know that anybody's going to get this, but we, we talked a little bit about NBA coaches – um, there are two NBA coaches that I think, in my opinion, are the most underrated. And the one that I think is the most underrated NBA coach of all time has a local connection. In other words, won a title with a player who played, well, it wasn't UL then, but played for the cage program so um kind of a hint I don't know if anybody's gonna get it but part of why I like to do this stuff is to educate us about certain people because sometimes we, we just don't we don't know about some people especially I mean this was in my lifetime but it wasn't like last year or anything or last decade um but no really some really some coaches kind of, you know, they're not household names. They never get discussed. But when we when we do things like this during the summer, we can learn about certain people that we don't know anything about. And so I, that's part of the fun of that kind of project for me. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good, sir. Good. 
good. And I know you, hearing you talk about your Astros, so I'm sure when I was watching softball, you were watching baseball. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, once before I called you during the, when you was playing, talk about how the girls, emotions and stuff, when you take them in and out. And Dawson probably going to have more of an answer for what I'm about to ask you. I feel like the coaching turned the game. I feel like she pulled that girl out too soon. The girl just, she hit a batter. That happens all the time in softball when they go inside. And she hadn't given up any runs. It wasn't like she hit the batter and there was already somebody else on base or something. And it's like, once she did that, I feel like the floodgates just, I went. I just say, well, once they got to about three nothing, I said that's it. She done, she even blew it because she started putting everybody else in, and all of these pitchers were not Sandicott. You know, it's like okay, it's one to nothing, it's two to nothing. Put Sandicott in. You haven't lost the game yet. And then after, after she kept putting all of these uh, lesser pitchers in, I said, oh, it's over. You forget. So I wonder yeah. what what y'all think about that. <laughs> I said the announcers like in basketball. Now the announcers would, if, with men, the, bas- the the announcers would 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 say if they felt like the coach had done something. But it, those ladies are not going to say that when they're watching the game, when they're announcing the game. Um. Well, I I think what it was, uh, I agree with you. Sander Cock could have went in in that situation, and I would have I would have probably if it was me, I'd have probably went with her. Uh, I wasn't surprised at all that they pulled Mac Leonard when they did because Mac Leonard has kind of been that type of starter for them. They like to start her first time through the order, kind of a little similar to the way the Cajuns use Carly Heath when she pitches in a big game like that. They're going to start her and try and steal eight, eight to ten outs with her. Um, but I did think they could have went to Sandercock afterwards. They went with McKenna Reed, who, hey, was really good against Tennessee the night before, so I guess I get why they did it. But um, I probably would have went to Sandercock, especially being as close as you were. Um, but as it worked out, I don't know if they were ever going to score a run. They could have played 20 innings last night. Is she going to pitch seven innings tonight? She will pitch um, until things, you know, unless they get out of hand. She will be in, yeah, she will start and she will go as long as they want her to go. Well, I mean, it's the last game of the year. What are you saving her for? Right, no. she And I don't even think yeah. it's a matter of saving her. I think they really like kind of the matchup-based pitching that they've done throughout the year where she comes in and at times she'll come in in the fifth and give you three innings at the back end and start the next game. But tonight she will start and she will go as long as necessary. But Dawson, my thing is this. I'm, I'm okay with had they started hitting her hard. They wasn't hitting her hard. So it's like, why take her out? I don't care what's happened in the past. If you're not going to go to Santa Claus, leave her in the game. She's not she's not really pitching bad. Well, I, I think the, the concern there is Oklahoma is that good offensively that it'll happen in a hurry. And I think they when they see that they've gotten a look at her once or twice through the order, I don't think they're willing to take the chance of letting her see. A lot Mac of coaches just want to change the look to, so yeah, the team and, doesn't get comfortable. And especially like Mac is she's a good pitcher. She's also the first baseman in the DH when she's not pitching. Uh, she hasn't been a workhorse for them. They use her in selected spots. They, they, I don't think the plan was ever for Mac Leonard to go six innings or seven innings in that game unless she just had an uncharacteristically dominant night, which, again, against Oklahoma is next to impossible. Yeah, I agree. Like, like I said, I agree. Oklahoma's just that good, but it's like I just would have rolled her until they at least started hitting her. 
and they wasn't hitting her. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll go to hitting a pitcher. They might not hit home runs, but they'll go to getting solid hits. Then it's time to take them out before they go to hitting home runs. But they wasn't hitting her. And it's like, and then you're going to go to somebody that's, I'm going to just use the word, a lesser pitcher. And they started rocking them right away, right away. First, first, I mean, not first bat, first pitch, they rocking them. Yeah. And I'm saying, oh, Lord, what's going on here? And I'm pulling for Florida State because I'm sort of like Kevin right here. I mean, I like, and I like Oklahoma, but I would like to see. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets boring when yeah. the same team wins all the time if it's not your team. Yeah. But. Well, it's yeah. good hearing from you again. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Talk to you all later. Take care. This is Footnotes <laughs> on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Lil MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotlines 337 706 While the time zone police tells me I should pick Stunford, I, um, by the way, if you wonder, why does he always say Stunford? I was, I was going to ask, so I'm glad you're going to clarify here. I don't know that they do it anymore, but for years they wore a uniform where the it was a U. It looked like a U. It it, it wasn't an A. Uh, I don't. It seemed like it was about ten years ago. It's like their uniform is supposed to say Stanford, but it actually says Stunford. So that's when I started calling them Stunford. Plus, that's Forty Nine er U to me, and so like I just kind of. Like enjoy saying stuff about their program, right? Because okay. it's forty nine or you. But I actually, uh, AJ Hinch played there. I always liked AJ Hinch. Uh, one of my favorite Saints interviews of all time, and older Saints fans, he actually played football and baseball at Stunford. Uh, Toy Cook back in the 80s. He uh, he played baseball and football at Stunford and was not a great – he was a good cornerback. He wasn't a great cornerback, but he was. A, I loved always interviewing. He was a communications major at Stunford. I don't mean to change the subject quickly here, but we've all, we got a couple minutes here. Um, it, I missed it earlier in the hour, but Dalvin Cook got cut by the Vikings. They've been talking a lot about. I've been seeing a lot I about. I saw a little that. bit of it too. I thought it was kind of just a rumor, though. I, I it's surprising to me. Some people were, you know, talking about maybe trading him. Um, look, I, I've I've been a big Dalvin Cook guy in terms of fantasy. I didn't have him this past year, but the two years before that, I did. I've always kind of liked him. 
Um, like, what does that mean? Like, how how much could he cost? And I just wonder, I guess they're probably of the mindset that Alexander Madison is going to be their guy. And I guess they, I can understand the idea of it being, you know, the difference not being huge in their minds because he's always been productive when he's filled in. But there was a time where Cook was thought of as like, you know, one of the top a, two, three a top five back in the league. whole league. Yeah. No question. And I don't think he's that, that far below that. I mean, I think he's, you know, running backs have short sh- shelf lives, as they say, but but again, look, he's great, but potentially. But again, he's an upgrade to Superman. I, I still think the Saints need a Z28 replacement. I don't think he's that. Although, I mean, if the Saints picked up Dalvin Cook tomorrow, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it does, you know, again, it, it's not healthy for me. It, it, it wouldn't be healthy. <laughs> I don't need to be fantasizing about Dalvin Cook right now. So, but no, that I they have been. There's been a lot of speculation about him. No question. That's it for hour number one. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company. It specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber to Game Hotline. 337 706-0111. 337-706-0111. These next two segments are time to get in. In the third one, the Belmont Stakes, I guess... I guess are going to be running. We'll be talking some strange stuff going on in the northeast part of the country right now. We'll be talking to Mr. Tom about that and the race. I guess it's going to take place. Well, we will. We will see. But I want to get back since Dawson brought up this. You know, during the break, my mind is kind of thinking on the run here about. Um, this Dalvin Cook situation, you know, I guess Mixon is staying in Cincinnati. I guess. I've read a lot of, you know, speculative he- headlines that whether that's going to happen or not. Yeah, that one's interesting. And, um, you know, he, he made some comments, I guess, as, 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 uh, most, as recently as yesterday, saying that um, you know, there's a lot of noise around it, but basically kind of just given the answer you'd expect someone to give, like they're not paying attention to all that. Um, I think, and I mentioned to it too, I don't know what the most legal, re- um, recent legal update is about him, but I think everything was kind of dropped about that altercation that took place. I know the rumors kind of heated up right after that about them wanting to move on. Um, but since, as far as I know, most of that got resolved without any further, you know, court dates or things. Um, maybe that changed kind of the, the, the perspective on it. I don't know. It's funny, though, and it's the world in the NFL now. Like, you better be a franchise-changing running back if you want to stick around with a team because they, you know, and these teams that are contending but don't have the money for it, I think a lot of people – it's like the Zeke Elliott lesson, right? Even though he was a good player after they got that contract, oh, he clearly yeah. wasn't worth what they gave him. Right. And that's kind of been around the league. Teams going, like, I mean, clearly Minnesota went – 
okay, even if you're a great player, you're probably not worth what type of money you're going to demand. Well, based and on he never plays. Position. Yeah, that's true. As yeah, well. you got to play. And they have a value. They have a very good replacement for him. I think not everybody has that. Anytime a running back is discussed, I mean, I think a lot of people think Buffalo Bills because they haven't run the football well enough. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, Miami, he's from that area. I could see that happening. Why wouldn't the Dallas Cowboys be interested in him? Like, well, maybe, but they do seem to be pretty invested with Tony Pollard. Well, yeah, but he's good. also coming off an injury. They'll be in play, I'm sure. I'm sh- well, and if whether they were in play or not, everyone's going to claim he should go there. As far as you know, the way things yeah. get talked about with the Dallas Cowboys, but. But I, I, I could – because he and Pollard, I guess they're not totally different, but, you know, Pollard to me I still think is a little different kind of a back than what Zeke was in his prime. Definitely so, different style at least. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why. You, you got to have two, and I don't know why if you're the Cowboys, you, you know, you wouldn't be interested in him. Again, he's got to play too because, you know, he's not a guy that plays a lot. Um. The the Denver Broncos, like, why? Now, you got a new coach there. And, you know, who knows? You know, he's kind of cleaning house. The running back, Javante was was really good, but he got hurt. So maybe there's some question on, what well, you know, is he really going to be back? Because I think he's really good, you know. But again, he, he is coming off a season where he missed essentially the whole season with an injury. So maybe there there's not a thought process of um and I don't I don't know, you know, he's not a third down back and neither is Cook. So I don't know how that I don't know how those two would mesh as a one two um punch there. So no, it's interesting. Again, first you got to establish how much can you reasonably expect him to play because he's missed so many games. But, man, when he plays, he's really good, and he's not that old. Um, so, we'll, no, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, again, I'm really... Not really, really ready to talk football just because, like I said, it's just not, it's not, it's not healthy for me right now. But mentally, talking about mental health, um, you know, all this stuff coming out of Saints, voluntary workouts. It's just, it's it's very, look, a lot of it is very encouraging. I heard Les tell Raymond um, in the 8 o'clock hour that that the Saints like their roster. Of course, of course, I've liked the vast majority of the Saints roster for the last two years. I know I'm the minority. They just got to play. It's like we were just talking about with Dalvin Cook. You got to play. I mean, there's the roster on paper, what it looks like, and then there's who shows up to play for the games. You're like, you got to play. Um, 
Man. I don't know about Jackson, the linebacker. A lot of people are high on him. But uh, if he turns out to be as good as some people think and all of the depth at safety can provide just, you know, I don't need great, but just maybe slightly above average safety play, Just, it's just, just, it's just best. I don't think about it right now, for sure. But no, I know. I, I think you know there'll be a lot of talk about Cook, and we'll see how that plays out. But again, running backs, to the point that we made earlier, it, you just have to be able to utilize them effectively. You know, the cheaters know what to do with a good running back. Like they know how to utilize them. Theoretically. Because he came from the cheaters, the Dolphins should know how to utilize a running back. But they've been kind of having that running back by committee, a bunch of essentially no-name type guys and just trying to do it by committee, which is, which is at times essentially is the cheaters' approach to running back. Not, not anymore because they've got Mr. I don't like to play playing for him now. But – um. Some teams know how to utilize them, and other teams kind of don't. You know, as Casper grew into his stint with the Saints, he learned how to utilize the running backs, I think, a little better. And it's going to be very important, getting back to the whole Broncos as a potential landing spot for Dalvin Cook, it's going to be very important for him to lean on the running backs. Because they have a quarterback who's going into his, you know, with a lot of skepticism. A lot of people think he's washed up. And you don't want to have to put, they, you know, they went into last year thinking that he was just going to carry the deal. And, and, it, and you know, he it, 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 it was a disaster. So I'm sure he wants to put as little on Wilson's plate as you can for a veteran. I mean, you can't treat him like a rookie. He's a, you know, a seasoned veteran quarterback, and yet you don't want to just throw everything at him like and just say, okay, take us. He, 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 there's no reason to believe he can do that right now. So they need running backs to be the core of the offense and use the passing game off of the running game. Of course, you got to have an offensive line for that. I, I think their offensive line is better run-blocking offensive line than it is a pass-blocking offensive line, which leads to that. And we'll see. They're going to make a lot of changes, and some of the changes are going to be made for skill set there, and I think some of the changes that he's made is a culture thing. Not that the guys are necessarily troublemakers or anything, but it's just what you do when you come in and and you've had a losing culture there for a while and then you come in, you want to establish and so you want your guys or your kind of guys or and and so it's uh that's just natural. I mean there's gonna be some moves. He's gonna make a ton of moves. But uh no, I could see where the running game could be important in Denver. No question. Um to me, him and Williams, though, are more like than they are different. So I don't know how that would work out necessarily. 
But uh, no, it's um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and how many games. I mean, of course, we won't know that till the season starts. He actually plays. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how many games Z twenty eight plays for the Saints. Could be none. Could be four. Could be six. I doubt he. I doubt he plays that many though. Wouldn't shock me if he's suspended for the whole season. And then if that's the case, and where do you even go after that? Like what, you know, how does that all, all of that even work out? So they probably have, I would think Mickey Loomis has a pretty good idea. Certainly a much better, educate, more educated guess than we have on the question of, realistically, how many games can you expect Z28 to play for the Saints over the next two seasons? So if he thinks, well, he might not play Harley at all this year, but we'll get him full next year, okay. But this is a huge season for the Saints. You got a new quarterback. You got a coach that no one likes, and people are convinced that he's not good. And so he... He's in his second year. He has to prove that they can win. You know, this ain't just a throwaway season. I think this is a critical season for the Saints. Certainly a cr- critical season for my mental well-being. And so it, I, I don't, you know, it's that's just a tricky situation. But again, I've already said, I am totally mentally prepared. And I just don't know if the Saints are there yet. But I'm totally mentally prepared that that Z20 is never going to play another game for the Saints ever again. I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying I'm already accepted that. So anything that I get beyond that is is lanyap to me, as long as he wants to be there and he plays hard and all that stuff. Uh, And they can effectively utilize him and they've – and, you know, Williams becomes a downhill runner and they can fix all that stuff back to where it used to be instead of what it's been the last two years, which has been a complete non-unfocused disaster show with the running back position. I mean, like they, they're trying to turn that guy into a dump truck the last two years, and I, I have no idea what they've, what they've done. So unless they can get back to that, anything they get out of him is line up anyway. That's why I'm so fascinated with the whole – from a confused standpoint, not from an interested standpoint, more like the whole draft in Kendra Miller, who to me is a replacement for Superman, not a replacement for Z28. And so now you have two of those guys, and maybe Williams is going to catch the ball a little more than I'm thinking, but Williams is still not a third down back. So I I don't quite know how they're, they're seeing this future than I am. Obviously, they know a whole lot more than I do about it, but I've, I don't know. I, I, I'm still of the mindset he's never going to play again, and if he does, then, oh, what, that's great. Let's figure it out. But if it doesn't, if he doesn't, then who's going to be the third down back? Who's going to be the finesse back? I still don't see that person. We'll see how it plays out. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Uh, we mentioned yesterday before we left that former St. Thomas Moore UL pitcher Hogan Harris was going to pitch, and he did. He got his major league, his first major league victory with a 9-5 to win over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jace Peterson from Lake Charles, played in McNeese, helped in that process. And in case you hadn't noticed, over the last two games, this is what Jace Peterson's done. Five for five, two bombs, five ribs, two for four and two ribs. So he's driven in seven runs, and he's seven for nine with seven RBIs in the last two games. Wow. Wow. Now, you know, the beauty for the A's, and I'm no A's lover, they're in my division, but the beauty for the A's is not only, look, they're 14 and 50, so they've had a rough one. And yet they've had two great victories in a row where they've had a lot of fun, and then now guess what? They get a day off, so you get to enjoy it. There's nothing like that. You play great, and then you get a day off. You get to enjoy the victories a little one more day. And That's they, good stuff. Yeah, and they need it every day they can to enjoy every victory they get. But um, could be an opportunity for Hogan here. I, I imagine he's going to stick around for a couple more starts. I don't know exactly what their roster plans are, but um, you know, more of an opportunity than uh, than certainly some places he could be. So. Could get could be a chance for him to keep doing what he's doing. It's good and bad. I mean, right. sometimes it's 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 good when you're on an organization that does, that's struggling because you you have upward mobility, and he certainly had that. Um, now they're probably not going to trade him anytime soon because he's not making big money yet. But once he get you know a few years down the road, once he starts putting himself maybe to get a contract if he can continue to pitch effectively. Well, then, um, you know, maybe he gets put in a trade somewhere. and Then, you know, you get you never know how, how all that could end up. But, look, it's all about throwing strikes. If he keeps throwing strikes, he's, he's, he's going to do fine. They go to Milwaukee next. Now, he won't be pitching in that series, but we'll see if, if Jace Peterson can keep that up. Yeah. in the next series and how, how many wins. Uh, they were due – I mean, look, I know they essentially have a triple-A roster, you might say, but even that, I mean, you, you knew they were going to play well eventually. That's why I'm so glad the Astros got their six wins and I wasn't like, 
Oh, look, he swept it. And I'm like, uh, just think, give me my little wins and let them go beat other people. They've beaten the Braves twice since then. They've beaten the Pirates twice since then. Both of those teams have winning records. Now, I don't think the Pirates, I don't think, I don't expect the Pirates to finish with a winning record. Certainly expect the Braves to. But again, they didn't beat like the Royals or teams that don't have a, you know, not that many more wins than them. They beat two teams that uh, are above 500. And I just, I'm glad, I'm just very thankful the Astros got their six wins against them in this. And they still got 12, six more games with them. They're going to play yeah. them 12 times. Right. I don't know when those games are, but I hope they're a way off. And <laughs> Well, you know, I've been, I've been keeping you updated on Preston Tucker, and we've kind of created this little running, uh, running yes. story here. Um, and obviously, to an extent, I was messing around by by updating you on that over time. But I, you know, I do think Preston went to Korea and actually figured some things out with the swing. And I do think it's a good story. It's getting to the point where it's getting like too good of this. Like it's unbelievable how he's swinging the bat. And I'm at the point now where either San Diego is going to have to call him up or they're going to have to trade him because uh, I texted you. I think about it on May 27th. He went five for five with two home runs. Um, he ended up finishing the month of May out with a weird like two for seven performance in an extra inning game. Um, then he started June four for five, a homer and three RBIs in his first game. Um, then last night he went one for one with four walks and a double and an RBI. So he's now up to 500 is his on base percentage for the season with a 368 average. His OPS is now 1206 in triple a this year. Like so, I mean, the numbers are ridiculous. He's got 10 homers and 34 driven in. Juan Soto finally had a real good game last night. He got his first five-hit game of his career, but they're not all three of their outfield positions aren't totally locked up, right? I mean, they. Yeah, no, I, I have to. I'll have to look a little closer, but it's getting. It seemed like they you know, would call him up, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny because you know, for a while, and, and look, triple. We there's guys who have, and, and there's you know, examples of career minor leaguers who always hit really, really well in AAA and can't do it when he gets called up. So we'll see. But like the, the it's now. I mean, he's 136 at bats in too. It's not like this is three weeks, and have an OBP at 500. I mean, it's like somebody can use him. So I feel like no, at some certainly. point, you know, yes. somebody's got to be taking a look at that and going, man, again, like it probably wouldn't take too much to get him away from San Diego. So I don't know, you know, we joked about the Astros, I would love it. But it feels like somebody around the league could use a corner outfielder right now who could drive in runs well, the way he is look, in, in the Well, look, Grisham, and look, he's not a center fielder. Oh, certainly not. Okay. No. But Grisham is hitting 190. That's their center fielder. Now, you know, their other outfielders are Tatis and Soto, so, you know, that's, you know, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, but it feels like to be a, a guy off the bench when you want to give Grisham a day off, you slide Soto to center and you play him in left or right. It just feels like, I mean, but anyway, you know. Yeah, I mean, because he probably won't be a starter anyway. Right. So. Now, also, you know what is funny, too? He would, he, there. it was an easier spot for him to find a roster spot when you had pitchers hitting because he's a great, he's a classic pinch hit option, right? Left-handed power hitter. So if you, you know, we're facing a tough righty in the bullpen late in the game, he's a perfect option for that. So now that that's not a thing anymore, that hurts his options a little bit. But um, but he still could be DH. Right. Yeah. No. And it's it's just funny to me because I've been checking it over and, and every time I check it, he does something else. Like the stat lines. I mean, the five for five game mixed in within last night, one for one with four walks. So he's now for the season. We talk about strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, where is his uh, his full stats here? He is like walked 
31 times and struck out 27 times. And you know, I don't know that they crossed over, but maybe they did. Dana Brown came from the Braves, and Preston was with the Braves for a while. So he might have a little more intel or or a relationship with him than, um, than some. And obviously he spent some time in Houston as well. So and his brother's playing for the Astros. So no, I mean it's. I don't think it's that far fetched that something's going to happen. And I, I, I would have no problem with. It. I look, I love a good pinch hitter. Maybe he could have come up and pinch hit last night and or hit a ground back. ball to second with her after a leadoff double in the ninth, down three to two. That'd have been nice. Yeah, it'd have been nice. <laughs> it'd been nice if the guy who was batting like realized that a runner was on second and no outs and. Not swing at a 1-0 pitch inside that was floating and hit a ground ball to third. That would have been nice. With, like, the best RBI bat in the league on deck. <laughs> he's 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 still keeping pace with this RBI a game thing, and it's unbelievable, by the way. You're done. He hit a two-run homer last night. So And so every time he drives in two, he gives himself a day where he can go off one, you know? <laughs> Like he's what at fifty? Is it fifty five RBIs and we've played fifty six games, or is it past that now? It's I don't know. All I know is in the ninth inning he hit a he hit a ball that should have been an RBI single, but stupid Kevin Kiermaier caught it. <laughs> well, it should have been a sacrifice fly, is what it should have been. Yeah. But instead, Altuve hit a ground ball to third on a one zero pitch that was floating up there. Oh, is that what happened? I did. You didn't oh, yeah, hit a ground ball that. to third. Oh, yeah. okay. It it didn't go as I would say it didn't go as planned, but I don't even know if he had a plan. That's the problem. I don't ever trust that he has a plan because like everything comes so naturally to him. He just swings. You know, it's like what do you swing it at? He just swings. Like he <laughs> he's got all this natural innate ability that he just sometimes you got to forget about all that and like. Okay, I need to focus here. I can't just, like, he's gotten hits on pitches that most guys never dream of. It's kind of like um, um, Guerrero's dad. I mean, he was on Vladimir. I mean, he, he was just unbelievable. He could hit a ball. A ball would bounce, and that guy could hit a, a double in the, in the gap. I mean, he was so crazy. But that's kind of how Altuve is. Oh, man. I just don't want to... I just need to play baseball when it's time to play baseball. But, no, we'll continue to – I got to believe that once the all-star break comes and goes, I mean, I should say the trade deadline, I guess, that Tucker's either going to be with the Padres or or be involved in a trade for another team. Because the Padres always seem to be involved in the trade deadline. And why wouldn't he be part of one of their trades? He seemed like the classic trade guy. I mean, if Abraham Toro can be traded twice, it seems like Preston Tucker could get traded once, you know, for the Padres. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. We'll shift gears to Mr. Tom, talk horse racing, and maybe a little baseball with him as well. Next, stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. All right, let's shift gears a little bit, get to horse racing, the Belmont Stakes schedule for Saturday, and some what's going on in the northeast part of the country with our friend Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, so what is going on? Like we, I, I'm sure since, like there were some. A lot of sporting mm-hmm. events and events, I'm sure, were canceled in the New York mm-hmm. area yesterday. And so, yeah. are you worried that this could impact the Belmont Stakes? I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're not going to run it. Not this week. So, what are they going to do? Well, this is a, a gazillion dollar business. This is Belmont Stakes Festival. This is this is a big deal. Today, tomorrow, and Saturday we're supposed to be. Big event, right? And Saturday, they've got six grade one races, including uh, Belmont State. They could move it to next week. But again, this fall, this smoke from Canada, these wildfires ain't going away right now. So, Yeah, because that just, stuff lasts a long time sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it goes on for weeks, and we just don't know what's going to happen with, the, uh, with, with what's going to happen. But... I mean, I'll go along and talk about the Belmont Stakes. I mean, we might as well, because eventually it'll be run. Okay, so, but, I mean, in other words, when they say it's unsafe air, do you mm-hmm. think it, it's just like this is, like, too dangerous, not just for the people, but for the horses as well? For everything, everything. Yesterday, two days ago, we raced at, at parks at, in, in Philadelphia after they had canceled races in Delaware, and you could barely see you know, you could barely see it. It looked like it was fog, but it was smoke. And yes, it does. It, it harms people with asthma and conditions like that. Yeah, that's dangerous, is what it is. To be out in it is what it amounts to. But it clouds everything and pretty well puts a damper on all events. And that's baseball as well. You know, like they canceled the Yankee outside. game and they've scheduled a doubleheader, but I, you think they're going to better play the doubleheader today? I don't think so, not the way the weather looks. I mean, again, I, I, it's just that part of the world. That's the problem. Upper Michigan, parts of uh, Pennsylvania, and all of Northeast is really in, under this smoke watch. And, and it's not easy. It's pretty bad, really. All right. So could it help some of these horses to, to if they push it back a week or two? Or will that not make a difference one way or the other? No, it would help, that's for sure, because it would make the Belmont about a month or so behind uh, um, the preakness. Uh, uh, and, and any any rest helps a horse. Any rest helps horses. So, it, yeah, no, it, would, it wouldn't hurt. Let's put it that way. But it's the financial problem that's really right now. I mean, you, you invest a lot of money in order to do certain things, and you get horses there, and you get horses from Europe there, they're not going to be able to stay two weeks or a week or so to get this done. So they, you know, races have to be canceled. Horses have to be moved around. It's really, it's a mess. And the same thing with Churchill Downs. You know, they're they're going to open at Ellis on Saturday, Ellis Park, which is in eastern, western Kentucky. And they're going to finish their meet out there. Then Ellis will start theirs on July 4th weekend. That's not a huge problem because there's no real problem in the middle part of the country. But that's that that, that smoke can really 
put a damper on everything. Let's put it that way. But, I mean, it's not like a baseball series where you're scheduled to play next week. Like, all these horses, they wouldn't run again. Like, these horses, let's say it runs Saturday, which obviously it doesn't look like it's going to. But they're not going to run again for how long? Well, you know, horses need to exercise, and uh, they'll have to move them, you know, move them to other, other, tra- other places where there is no smoke so they can train them and work them, and they take them out of Belmont, I guess. I don't, I don't know what they would do. You know, that's, that's a big problem. I mean, big, big this problem. is pretty unprecedented, right? I mean, do yeah, you ever remember all your years no, of following racing? We've had these kinds of conditions happen before in Southern California, one of them, uh, where they had to cancel races because the, the, you know, the air quality was bad. It's nothing new, but in terms of wildfires in the West, we have those every year, but they, they don't affect anything to burn houses, but they don't affect sporting events. But here in the East, sporting events are a big deal in the country. You know, it's not easy. It's a big deal. All right, so the field, just looking at it, looks way better than the Preakness field, or am I misjudging something here? No, it looks better. There's better horses here. The distance will create many, many problems for some of these horses. Um, they won't stay close enough to the pace of the race, and even if they run real well at the end, they have a lot to catch up. But let me tell you another thing that's a big problem with this. This is the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's Triple Crown. Yes. And they had a, a lot of events around that, you know, a lot of events around that. And and that, boy, that, that's that's a big deal. That's all I can say. That's a big deal. And, so, and, we, you know, for the Preakness and even for the Derby, there was some late scratches because of all mm-hmm. of this. Are any of these people just going to say, well, this is just not worth it and just start scratching? Well, they, they'll, 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 if they don't run it on Saturday you'll see a bunch of these horses vacate and go places where the smoke isn't, you know, like Churchill or Ellis or some of those uh, Western tracks, you know, and quarter their horses for a while because they have to work them out. They can't sit them in the barn and wait for all this to go away. That's not going to work. And so they'll move them to somewhere else, uh, Florida, maybe, or something to that effect. Well, is it possible, do you think, or do you think the people at Belmont would just say, no, we can't, of running the Belmont Stakes somewhere else? That would be almost impossible. To have to, to to, no, this is not pandemic situation. Uh, This will pass, and they still have three weeks of their meat left. Um, I don't know what they'll do. I, Kevin, I wish I had an answer. But I, <laughs> it's just a mess. <laughs> it's a mess is what it is. And, right. and, the, and it, it just. <sighs> All right. It, it, so if they run it like two weeks from now or whatever, like mm-hmm. who, who do you think? And if there aren't a bunch of scratches, like who, who do you, who do you like? Well, I'm, I like three or four horses. Um, uh, I really think that Angel of Empire is coming into his own. Um, he hasn't raced a lot, and he, he, he probably was the only horse running at the end of the Derby. And he looks like he's going to end up being the favorite over National Treasure. Uh, National Treasure really isn't that fast. I don't think he'll set a real fast pace. I think he'll drag along Forte and Hit Show. 
And then it's left up to Archangelo and horses like Tappet Trice and Red Route One, and uh, to to make up the difference. But I'm 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 looking at a real at a long shot that Brad Cox has. I'm looking at this horse called Hit Show. I think Hit Show can stay in the pace, and I think if he gets a little bit of brave, a little brave, and staying in the pace, and he can kick in at the top of the stretch and maybe win this. At ten or twelve to one, but Angel of Empire will be nine to five. Mm. What about Bo? Why tap it thrice? Why do you think? Why don't you like that horse in this race? Get out of the gate, Kevin. I mean, you'll have to run Secretariat's race to win this. In other words, because he he's going to be so far behind on the first turn, and if he gets real close, he may sacrifice some of that. Ability to stretch out. I just think he, the horse just—he's going to have to learn how to break the gate. Okay, if he does, if he does that, then he's probably in, in this. But I don't see him winning it. No, I don't. All right, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's um, this is really strange, and and uh, strange, we'll, we'll... And, it's, and it's going to affect a lot of sports, outdoor sports. Absolutely. So we may get um, we may get back with you. We'll see what happens. But uh, hang in there, sir. (laughs) I will. Uh, That that incident, I think they took Alabama off the betting board. They can't be bet anywhere. Just to let people know. Yeah. It's it's a mess there. All righty, sir. Thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Old Tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college, where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back footnotes as we finish out today's show man it's been a strange week like i wasn't here monday because coming back from miami and then we had you know this shocking pga tour news development with live and then now we've got whatever's going on in the northeast where games are getting canceled and who knows if they're even going to run the belmont stakes and on a much smaller scale, like Dalvin Cook, elite running back, just a year ago is now getting released, supposedly, if they can't work out a trade today with him. So, man, just kind of a bizarre week. Really, things happening that, like, on Monday, who in their – I mean, who in the whole country was thinking, you know, I think the PGA is fixing to announce this partnership with Live, the Live Tour – um, and it's going to get really weird in the Northeast where everything's going to be orange and they're not going to better play baseball and they may not better run the Belmont stem. I mean, it's just bizarre. Just really weird stuff going on. I, 
I certainly don't know anything about how much the air quality is being affected, but it can't be good. I would think, like the point Mr. Tom brought, people have different, like, respiratory issues or asthma or whatever. I mean, and I guess horses can get, you know, it's not safe for them either. And it's amazing to me how far this stuff is going. I mean, this we're not just talking about, you know, from here to Crawley or something. I mean, this is far. And it's really impacting a large area. It's just really bizarre. I don't know how they're going to play this. They got a doubleheader scheduled today at Yankee Stadium, but I don't know. Just really weird. And, like, it's got to be weird for just, like, driving. Really bizarre. All right, so we'll continue to follow that. And, obviously, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the NBA Finals, and things are going well uh, for the Nuggets, especially if they can win one more game. So we um, we touched on that as well. And I think um, I think other than Oral Roberts, I think mo- – and, and then we discussed – I think I'm going to go with Texas, although I haven't circled it yet. But I am concerned – about the whole time zone thing. You know, that's something that we've talked about. And, you know, the Cajuns didn't play well when they went to Washington. In term, You know, I, you, you, you couldn't say, well, it didn't affect the Cajuns. Well, I don't know if that's the reason, but it's, they certainly didn't overcome it, the going two time zones away thing. And for Texas, it might even be worse in that they're not, they're technically, you know, they spent, what, four or five days on the Atlantic, and now they're going to the Pacific, or pretty close to the Pacific. So it's um, a little different, little different deal, challenge for them. I don't know, let's see, anybody else, I guess Oregon maybe. You know, when a when a pretty far away, and they're coming back. Nobody else is really in anything close to to what Texas is having to do, go that far. So it is, you know, that'll be interesting. And, and and again, it's something that's hard to monitor. It's something that's hard to say. Well, he didn't get that base hit because they just traveled from the Atlantic to Pacific. It's hard to put a finger on it. But if they don't play well, then maybe you know you could point to that or it might help you make a decision. It might be a tiebreaker for somebody who might be making a picks or laying a wager on, you know, who's going to win this series. They might, that might be a reason why they say, well, I think this is a pretty even matchup, but one of them didn't have to travel. And the other one had to travel more than any team of any of the 16 super regional teams. So we'll see how that plays out. And then hopefully uh, tomorrow, I know today was a little unusual because we've been, I've been really good with the whole hammock season thing, but last night just really got on my nerves. It's like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's focus. Let's do the right thing here. Uh, And look, if you, 
if you hit a ground ball to second base or first base and the guy gets the third and they strike out El Perro or he pops up on the infield, I'm not happy, but okay. I mean, that's that's going to happen. Sometimes you just get beat. But there's a difference between getting beat and being stupid. Like, you got to have a a, a, a a proper approach. If the other team beats you, then he beats you. But that's not getting beat. That's just being not focused. That's different. If El Pedro pops up or strikes out with a runner on third and one out, you know, he's not perfect. It happens. I can live with that. Not even going to be angry. I'll be disappointed. But won't be angry. But when you hit a ground ball to third on a 1-0 pitch, that, you know, that's kind of a breaking ball up. That's just stupid. That's just careless, unfocused lack of execution. That's not they beat you. That's just stupid. So hopefully we don't, you know, they look, they get a win today, If they, I mean tonight. And it's strange. Not only is it a four-game series, but all four games are night games. A lot of times when you'll have the – it seems like most of the time – when you have a Monday through Thursday four-game series, that Thursday game is a day game. Not the case here. Um, and yet, the, and the air doesn't seem to be affecting Toronto at all. Lisa, I didn't see anything last night. I mean, I don't know where all this is. but They can close Rogers Center, right? Well, that's true. They can. Yeah, they can. But I think it was open. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe that was Jose. Maybe Jose was smelling the smoke. That's why he grounded to third. Y'all have a nice day.